Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. We are broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Look, we're going to get to the NCAA tournament. We're going to get to my new guy that I'm going to start hating. His name is Jeff McNeil, and uh, we'll get to him. But we'll start things off with UL baseball coach, as we've now done each Monday since season started, uh, Coach Matt Deggs. How are you, sir? Hey, Cal. Good morning. I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, doing pretty good. A little perturbed with the USA uh, performance getting thrashed by Mexico last night. But, you know, it, it happens, I guess. That's baseball, man. You just don't know. You know, uh, I think I saw the Czech Republic beat somebody the other day. So yeah. you just don't know. Yes, absolutely. All right. So, I, you know, I don't know that a lot of us had a whole lot of knowledge about high point and yet i think we've learned over the last two weeks the big south is a pretty good baseball conference Uh, it's a real good conference you know they come from a baseball rich area in the carolinas and they're well coached and and they can really hit as a team and and they're going to go on to beat some people uh they pitch just good enough at times and i know uh joey and those guys the head coach over there and uh, they're they're building that thing and and uh, they're they're kind of up and coming. They you know they've been good throughout the years, and uh, he just took over a year ago and played pro ball for a long time. He does a great job. I like the way they played the game, and uh, they were they were good competition for us. All right, I think I mean I don't know. There's probably several things that you might really like from the weekend, other than winning two out of three. You always like to win at least two out of three in a series. Is that your best hitter looked like your best hitter in Carson Rockefeller over the weekend? Yeah, he really makes us go, Kev, and and he made a little adjustment yesterday, and uh, that bat started to snap again, and and uh, he was able to pull the ball, which I like. Uh, I like when Carson's pulling the baseball. It kind of works in reverse for him. That kind of opens up the whole field for him and allows him to use his hands on the outer half and kind of go with it and then uh, stay short and quick if they try to come inside, which they've done a lot so far this year. So is that a lefty-righty thing or just an individual batter thing? Because you I talked, you know, you talked to Julian Brock, and he feels like it opens up his game when he hits the right center as a right-handed hitter. Is that just a, those two guys, or is that more of a lefty-righty thing? Two totally different swing paths. Uh, Carson is a kid that, that has big league hands, and, and what I mean by that, is he has the potential to go out over the plate and hook the baseball and and really turn it uh, from center over to his pull side. And and that leaves him open sometimes for the pitch in. Uh, But he can also, you know, manipulate his bat head when he's going good and take the pitch in to left center or pull it. Julian, on the other hand, uh, has more of a Derek Jeter bat path. And so – He's extremely in to out, meaning that knob leads his barrel. And so Julian has the ability to recognize pitches longer probably than anybody we have because he's so short and quick to the baseball. So you actually do Julian a favor throwing the ball back into him because he can take the pitch in 
and really drive it to right center. Again, we're speaking with UL baseball coach Matt Deggs. The Cajuns will play Jackson State tomorrow in a midweek game before opening up conference play at home with Arkansas State over the weekend. Um, I got to tell you, the thing that encouraged me, because my biggest question has been the bullpen, and you've been a little more calm about that, kind of calm down, just wait, Kevin. It's going to come. And I I saw saw a good outing from Christie, and I I, I saw – some good things from the bullpen started getting some answers. I think this weekend. Really, really liked uh, Carson Fluno this weekend on Friday, and uh, Blake Marshall had three saves on the week, uh, which is you know I don't know when the last time that happened was, but that's pretty good. And the development of David Christie, Cooper Rawls, uh, you know, there's there's been some big performances down there. Toit's been unhittable basically. Uh, and so that bullpen, you just said we have Tate came in and got his lefties. Uh, JT Etheridge is continuing to emerge and we're going to get Sam Hill and, and Blake McGee going here too, pretty quick. And, and, uh, I look at the, the staff kind of like I looked at our offense last year. I know we're going to be good. It's just going to take a minute. All right. So what's the situation with Sam Hill? been building him up you know he fought some back stuff in the fall didn't get a lot of time and uh started off really slow in spring training and he's starting to get his hand speed back and uh he's looking fully healthy and you'll definitely see him this week at some point um i wouldn't think you know probably because he's been a little bit on the shelf since the first weekend that mcgee he would probably pitch in relief before he would start another game or no Probably going to run him out first tomorrow night, and uh, he'll be on a strict pitch count. If it's an inning, it's an inning. If it's two, great. Uh, but I like him as a starter, and so probably go with him first tomorrow. You mentioned Fluno. Uh, he just has that uh, dynamic. I don't know. Just some pitchers, the way they throw, it just looks more dynamic than other pitchers, and he he kind of has that dynamic. Uh, mechanics-wise. So what about him could be effective if he stays healthy the rest of the way? Well, he's got a definitive out pitch, Kev, and, and he's got a, a, a pitch to put you away with in that curveball. It's a, it's a true hard overhand curveball. It's anywhere from 83 to 85, and it's, it's, so, it's so short and late it breaks right at the plate, so it's hard to find. It looks like a fastball until it gets to you. Uh, and, and sometimes those pitches, you got to learn how to command them, and He's worked extremely hard with Coach Tibb, and and uh, really uh, Friday was the first great look we've had at him, and they hit enough fastball. Uh, you know, he's 93, 94 on the fastball, so they've got to worry about that and kind of cheat. And then when they start cheating to that, he's able to, to land that breaking pitch, which uh, for, for two or three innings there made him deadly. All right, so John Taylor, uh, he had kind of started hitting, and you faced some left-handed uh, starting pitching early in the series with high points. So is that a situation where he's kind of a platoon guy, or could he see at-bats against left-handed starters in the future? Well, he was slow taking off uh, in spring training and, and just kind of first game or two, and, and uh, I know he can hit. Just kind of being patient with him and uh, letting him stay confident, and I know he's confident right now. Uh, need to play a little bit better defense, but you're exactly right. He's a guy that that, that should be a, a mainstay moving forward in our lineup. 
obviously you know who your center fielder is, and you whether you put him in right or left, uh, you know that he hood. He's been your best hitter since day one until now. Um, so and yet, you know the other position uh, is it still some question marks? Are you are you comfortable with whoever's hot is just going to play in that other spot? I'm really comfortable, Kevin, having five, six guys that they don't even need to check the lineup. Uh, and then another, you know, four, three or four that, that let's play the hot hand. And, uh, you know, you've got Vayon, I know, is going to come on. And, and Higgs has proved to be a, a guy that's got big potential at the plate. And uh, Luke Juhas has looked great out there at times. Uh, and so, and we know CJ can play, uh, anywhere on the field and he's swung a great bat so far. So I think you got a lot of options there. Uh, Taylor on the infield and, and Zambo, I'd like to get, uh, Raymond LaFleur going. Um, so I, I, yeah, I think you leave three or four spots that, that, uh, you know, the, the guys can, uh, we can ride a hot hand or, uh, match up whatever the case may be. After his first two starts, I think a lot of us were thinking, hmm, I don't know how this Jackson experiment is going to work out. And yet he had another encouraging performance over the weekend. Uh, has he solidified a spot uh, for a conference weekend start next weekend? No doubt about it. Uh, you know, through five, he's been just spot on. And uh, last two starts, he's given up one walk, uh, had – Tremendous early innings, quick innings. Uh, the fastball's getting better and better. Uh, that's his bread and butter. And when he gets on top of it, the fastball's an out pitch for him. And uh, he did exactly what we needed him to do yesterday in the, in the rubber game of a, uh, quite frankly, a huge series for us. All right. So is Moody going to kind of be, you know, last year early on, you used Schultz in the bullpen, and at the end of the year, you leaned on him as a starter. Is Moody going to kind of play that role where he could be a starter for you, but he could be just as easily help you in the bullpen if you need it? Yeah, we'll see what Blake McGee does and, and uh, the emergence of Blake. And, and uh, you know, Tommy Ray's got to fit in somewhere. And, and uh, so. Uh, he's a true utility guy, but I mean, he's given us great starts. It, it reminds me a little bit of 14, you know, we wouldn't score for aught and then we'd score pretty good for uh Baranek, and then booty got, you know, eight to 10 runs on Sunday. So, uh, he's just going to have to battle, battle, battle. And he does a great job of that. All right. Over the weekend, you know, early in the year, you Kyle DeBarge was leading off and then you moved him to five and he hit two yesterday. Uh, he showed a power bat over the weekend. Well, he showed it before. I mean, you know, I saw that ball he hit it in Lake Charles, or whatever, two couple of weeks ago. It was just, it was just, yeah. he crushed it. So, w- 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 are you going to move him all over? I mean, obviously, he showed he could drive the ball. Like, w- w- where do you see him long term in the lineup? Oh, he's such a he's. You know, you can you can hit him anywhere, and. uh you're going to get a competitive at bat. Yesterday, I wanted to shake the lineup up. Uh, I mean, it took me about two hours. I probably had 12 of them. And, uh, you know, I just felt like we needed a spark. So, in the fall, all those starters are the leaders on our team. They would make the lineup for one team every day, and I'd make the other lineup. 
so what I did was I, I went back and looked at their lineups that they were making and because uh, they were just killing us in the fall. And uh, I just put that lineup on the field yesterday, and that, that happens to be where they had everybody. Well, it's going to be interesting to see. And obviously, uh, Max had a few nice moments over the weekend. And we'll, once he gets consistent, I think the offense will be set. There's two keys, and that's that's Rock and it's Max. If Max gets on base, we score. And Rock, Rock stirs the whole thing. And so – uh, if the other guys will keep rolling, get those guys up to speed, uh, I think you're exactly right, Kev. All righty, sir. Good job over the weekend. Appreciate your time very much, and good luck tomorrow. Thank you, and go Cajuns. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know the routine. Eat, drink, sleep, and sports. All day, every day. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you would like to get in and we'll kind of restart the show. Obviously, big news yesterday, the Cajuns find out they're going to Orlando, Florida. It was one of the two sites that a lot of people were guessing there are Greensboro and it turned out to be one of those Uh, And they're playing Tennessee, which we talked about. And look, if you're a fan about the age of Dawson or just even, you know, eight, ten years older, UL playing Tennessee might not be a big deal to you. But for old guys like me, it's like not these people again. I mean, the Cajuns have played Tennessee three times in postseason play, and all three of them have ended in close, agonizing, frustrating, angry you know, talk about for decades losses, kind of losses. And it's just in 82, uh, the Cajuns won the Southland Conference, automatic bid. They went, to, they played the Tennessee uh, in Indianapolis. They lost by four, 61-57. Jordan Brown's dad, Dion uh, Brown, was on that team with, you know, Dan Gay and Graylin Warner and, and, and Pop Turner and, it was uh, a sickening uh, loss. And then three years later, they play, they beat the Cajuns beat Florida with Vernon Maxwell and Andrew Moten. Coach Sloan was the coach and upset him 65-64 in the first game of the NIT. And understand, I try to give perspective. Understand, like when the Cajuns, when the Cajuns played – Tennessee in 1982, there were, there were 48 teams that went to the NCAA tournament. There weren't like, how many now? They got about 68 or 69 teams now. You know, it's way too many. But And they wanted, they're talking about putting more. I mean, it's like you got to be kidding. But uh, back then, there were only 48 teams that went. I don't remember this, but when I looked it up, I, w- I went to verify that there were 48 the next year because in 1983, the Cajuns got an auto. They became an independent. They were no longer in the Southland Conference. 
and they got an at-large bid. They were 52. I don't know why they went from 48 to 52 exactly. I didn't even I don't even I didn't even remember that number. But there were 52 teams. They added four teams for whatever reason. The Cajuns got an at-large bid. They were an eight seed in both in 82 and in 83 in the NCAA tournament and blew both games. They should have won both games. But anyway, uh, and in Tennessee in 85, they had a five-point lead with 23 seconds to go. Kind of like that game Dawson was talking about last night. A five-point lead with 23 seconds to go in loss. And then in 2000, the Cajuns played Tennessee in Birmingham in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Um, and... The, it, it was there was a phantom foul. What happened was the Cajuns scored, I don't know, with like 40 or 50 seconds, something like that, and they were up. They were down two. It looked like they got a steal with about, I don't know, 15 or 20 seconds, something like that, and they called the foul, and they would have had the ball down two. Now, it doesn't mean they would have won, but they would have had a chance to win. And it was known, you know, in these parts and as a phantom foul, it wasn't really a foul. And it was Brett Smith, uh, post player for the Cajuns from Australia. And it was, uh, you know, a bit bitter way to lose. So nothing but frustration and agony in, the, in, in going 0-3 against Tennessee. So it's payback time. Now, Dawson and many of you have probably seen Tennessee play way more than I have. Um, they are without their starting point guard for most of the year, so that part is good. But they do have some bigs, and I, I don't. I don't think the Cajuns match up very well against anybody with bigs. So, what? How do you see the matchup? Yeah, it's it's not the worst matchup they could have got. I thought they were fortunate to avoid Duke, who I. I definitely thought could have been the four instead of Tennessee in this region. Duke's the five because Duke. Well, hopefully just, they don't avoid Duke. Well, I, I past the first round, right? Duke, yeah, I, and it's fine because I think again, when you're a 13 seed, you can't be looking past the first round anyway. But I was I was glad they didn't have to match up with Duke in the first round just because of how Duke ran through the ACC tournament. Tennessee, yeah, they're not playing their best basketball right now. My uh, my old roommate is a Tennessee grad, so he was texting me after you know after it got announced and stuff, and he said he told me he thinks UL is going to win the game. Now he's that type of person; he's just kind of putting some yeah. reverse jinx on it. But um, he said they're just not playing well right now, and so you know the thing is they haven't when they've played lesser competition this year they've had no issues. Uh, you go back to their non conference whenever they played teams that they were better than. I think they beat McNeese by forty. I mean they beat they beat the teams they were supposed to beat. Um, but they did lose their point guard. The interesting thing, too, and I brought this up in RP3, uh, Vegas, did, the Cajuns opened up as 13-point underdogs, which was very surprising to me how big that number was. Bigger underdogs than any of the other 13 seeds by a wide margin. Um, so for some reason, Vegas doesn't really like the Cajuns, even though some of the experts who have been you know, on TV, we saw after you know, the selection show, we had guys right after saying the Cajuns were going to win the game. Um, it's not as good a matchup as I think it, you maybe had in a couple of the other possibilities, but it's not worst case scenario. I think they got well. A shot. I didn't want Indiana. Yeah, I didn't either. So and we saw how I was Indiana. glad when Indiana came. I said, "Oh no, let's not do that." I was kind of hoping for Virginia. We had talked yeah. about that. Just yeah. again, Virginia would have been made it tough on the offense, but you maybe didn't have to score as many points to beat them. I mean, who else you wanted? I mean, would do you would Xavier. you prefer Xavier? Yeah, that maybe a little bit. Um, maybe you prefer Xavier, but I will say one thing. As far as the uh, the things that go off the basketball court, the exposure and stuff, you wouldn't have been playing at 840 on CBS if you played Xavier. 
So, you know, I think that's also something that's valuable to the Cajuns is that they're going to play in that primetime slot on, a, you know, the main network. They're not hidden on True TV. So um, that, that, that matters off the court. As far as the matchup itself, though, yeah, there was a couple others that maybe would have been a little bit better, but they've got a shot to win this game. I don't think it's any, you know, it's, it's, some, it's not a 16 versus one, and it's not a, you know, a terrible, terrible matchup. And 13 was the, um, the last time a sun, the Sun Belt tournament champion was as high as a 13 was in was seven years ago in 2016 so that part is good for the Cajuns as well so uh certainly we could talk about the NCAA tournament we've got Derek Carr was formally introduced as the Saints starting quarterback and you like everything you heard out of that so I don't want to, you know, it, it was kind of in the middle of everything going on with baseball and softball and the NCAA tournament and, you know, selection show and conference tournaments and all, but uh, still very important to a lot of us around here. And we'll, we'll talk about that more as, if not today, uh, later on in the week, some of the things that came out of that presser. But uh, certainly feel free to, to call about that if you would like. Uh, we talked C- Cajun baseball I mean, Cajun softball got a win over Florida. And they, we talked about it from the beginning. They didn't need to win all these games or even half of them. They just needed to not lose all of them. So they now have a, a really good win over Florida and a really good win over LSU at least so that they didn't lose all of them. So we'll see how that plays out as the season goes on. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Morning, Kevin. Good morning, sir. Boy, Kevin, that's some – Blast from the past, man. The Tennessee game. What a gut wrenching oh, loss. That was awful. With, with Deion Brown and, and and you know that that was that was the middle of my years in the at old USL. And I mean, like, oh my gosh, that, that that was just excruciating. And then the phantom. Yeah, well, not just call it what it is. Cheating. Yeah, the cheating. At, at, I, I believe it was on the right wing, Kevin. At, you know. Coming down and he picked him from behind. And yeah. Never. I mean, he wasn't even within uh, six inches. You know, we didn't have all this HD back then, but we, of course, we didn't know that you know we could see so good. But it was very evident. I I know exactly where I was with the with the uh, ag shop door rolled up, and we could you know we had the TV ears uh, next door to where I was uh, working. The TV ears rolled out the yeah. back door. Actually, but it, it, it was just excruciating. Awful. So, yeah, just listen, frustration. This could, this could easily be that type of game, you know, Kevin. I mean, I, I, I don't see, I don't see Tennessee blowing them out, and uh, you know, it could easily be that type of game. Okay, Kevin, what do you think about the big blockbuster trade uh, uh, that our one of our big rivals there, you know, pulled off? Well, that that is something else we haven't gotten to yet. Now, look, it was uh, I think it was a good trade for the Bears. They gave up a lot. All I'm going to say about the Arnolds is if they nail their quarterback, it'll be worth it. But they better nail it. I mean, they gave up a lot. Kevin, I listened to you on the weekend. When when I'm traveling, I've been going to my mom's to clean out the house, and I travel early in the morning and. And uh, man, that God's talking about uh, going all the ways they could go. Going with uh, you want to, you think you can win now? Go with Bryce Young. 
if you think you're not ready to win, go with a kid from Florida. You know, of course, everybody thinks it's C.J. Stroud. Then they were talking about them signing, signing Jameis to be the, you know, to be the mentor, to be the bridge. So there's a lot of things going on, Kevin. It's, it's, I just hope they completely botch it. Obviously, we want them to yes. botch it, but there's a lot that, uh, there's a lot that could happen, you know. You know, well, the thing about I just don't think. Look, is it? I discuss Anthony Richardson a lot, and yeah, yeah. off the air, and I just think. That I guess it's possible he'll mature into a good quarterback one day. I just don't. Th- I think he's right at this stage a major project. Obviously, Definitely. we know how great of an athlete he is. But I just think if you're the Arnolds and you are and you made that big of a trade and gave up all that, you can't afford to pick a risk. I don't think so either. But I mean, look at the look at the cheaters. I mean, they 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 gave up a lot in. And, and they might not even play that guy. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, he might not even play for him. He might not ever step on the field. You know, I mean, so really. It, 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 yeah, it, 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 it's nuts. Now, before before yeah. I let you go, give me a real quick LSU baseball report from the weekend. Uh, Well, I mean, you know, they're just bashing all these home runs. I, I know it's good. And, you know, they, you need these games. But, man, it's time to, it's time to play. Now, I will say, it's time to play real, you know, it's time to get, get down to the nitty-gritty. I will say this, I think the pitching staff is, and listen, they lost this Taylor kid who was projected to be a weekend starter, but I think the staff is really, is what has me really pumped up. Uh, I mean, you, got, you know, obviously you're not going to hit 500 in, in conference play, but I mean, their lineup is good, and the pitching staff looks to be lined up where, you know, you got three real starters, which is which is something that's been, you know, we've been lacking. So, uh, and and a pin that you know they they have the pieces, Kevin. So you know, I mean, that doesn't guarantee everything. You know, the SEC is tough as all get out, but it looks like uh, looks like they're ready. We shall see. All righty, sir. Thank you for the call. All right, man. We'll see y'all later. We'll be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline 706-0111. 706-0111. So if you want to talk Cajuns and Vols in the NCAA basketball tournament or anything to do with the bracket in the NCAA tournament, it's funny because nationally, some of the I haven't heard a, I haven't heard a lot of the commentary, but some of the commentary I've heard is that Purdue's got the toughest bracket. Uh, I guess not everybody agrees with that. We'll see how that plays out. It just depends on what you think. Like, I think the three seed of Kansas State and Tennessee is not as tough as the three. To me, I'd I'd take 
I think Xavier, Indiana is a tougher 3-4 seed than Kansas State-Tennessee. I guess it just depends on how you view those teams. but And maybe I'm thinking from a – because I, I I wanted no part of the Cajuns playing the Hoosiers. I mean, I wanted no part of that matchup. So I guess it just uh, – we're thinking a little bit more from a Cajun standpoint than how they would match up with other teams. But uh, I, I kind of like Purdue, and then I'm hearing all, oh, they got this tough bracket. So I, we'll see how – that plays out. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Uh, good morning, Kevin. Just wanted to thank you for that article you wrote uh, where you uh, talked about the fathers of two of the Cajun players as being former uh, players back in the 80s. Right, absolutely. Uh, yeah, 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 that's sure that's a great memories for them. Um, even Dion's made a few games. I saw him at the tournament, so uh, even though he lives far away. So uh, maybe think of Archie Manning, believe it or not, where he once said he was happier his kids had more success than he did uh, in the NFL. So maybe that'll happen uh, Thursday night where we uh, Jordan will have a little more success against Tennessee than Dion did. Let's hope so. That would be great. Revenge. Yeah, I texted him. I said, it's time for revenge on the Vols. And he goes, oh, yes, it is. Yeah, well, there is one game that the Cages did win against the Vols. Uh, granted, it wasn't postseason play. It was a regular season game. But it was in the Sugar Bowl tournament, I think, in 85, 86, or something like that. It was after, after I think, uh, most of our uh, good teams had left. You know, it was Maybe it was the year we went to the NIT against Florida. But uh, I remember going to that, because uh, I was living in New Orleans at the time, we beat Tennessee in the first round and lost to Pitt in the second round. But we do have a win against Tennessee in our history. Granted, it was on a neutral court. I'm trying to remember because when I went the year that I went to the Sugar Bowl Classic, the Cajuns beat Florida and Kansas, and then and then they beat who did? Then they they won they went another year and they won the first game and then lost to Butch Pierre and Mississippi State in the second game. I don't remember who they earlier. won the first that game was that probably, year. Okay, the, the uh, year that they beat Florida and Kansas was '84. The year they did not get to the championship, the NCAA tournament. That's when that was the NIT final four year. Nineteen eighty five. That was actually I say eighty four. It was December of eighty three, but it was the eighty four. Right, you know, right, term, right. And then the the year before when they lost to earlier, they uh, beat Michigan State in the first round. Michigan, Michigan State, State yeah, in the second that's round. That was earlier in the uh, Dion and Nim's career. Might have been uh, eighty three. Might have been the year before. So that eighty five eighty six is the year they beat Tennessee seventy nine seventy eight. Yeah, and right, and then we also played Tennessee in Robert Lee's years. Uh, you know, when it was a very poorly attended game at the Cajun Dome, when we had like a three for one. We don't do those anymore, but you know, we had a poor team, so it was not surprising that the uh, game wasn't that well attended. Right. Uh, yeah, and yeah, so that was a little different. That was one of the weaker Cajun teams, but there is there is one win against the Cajuns for the Cajuns against the uh, the Vols. I hope that continues this week. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I mean, I, I was focusing on uh, the postseason play, but um, I mean, I, I, I mean, I think it's a cool that I got no issues. I mean, I, I, I never grew up hating Tennessee. I mean, I hated Kentucky growing up when I was young in the SEC, and so um, whether it was T.R. Dunn or Ernie Grunfeld or. John Stroud, any of those other names. I was for all of them against Kentucky in the SEC. So I, I, ne- I never grew up hating Tennessee. Just got a little tired of losing heartbreaking games to them in the postseason. So we'll see how that goes. So any thoughts y'all have on the NCAA tournament? Um, Manny brought up the big trade. I, You know, it's a thing where you have to kind of 
wait and see because I heard a little bit when y'all interviewed Jake in the last hour. And so, you know, I, I think you got to wait and see how the quarterback is. But you got to really be sold on one of these guys. To me, Stroud on paper is the safest pick. Now, I don't know if GMs and head coaches think that way. Like, they're probably going by whatever their their grading system is, and they're just going to go with it. But to me, you know, if 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 now they, everyone raves about Young's character and leadership skills, so if you're going with that, then okay. Uh, but if because he's so small and slight, if he ends up having an injured career, they're going to really regret that. And people are going to say, well, why did you put all that stock in a short, slight quarterback? Um, and then if they go with Richardson, you say, why would you put all that stock in an unrefined guy if he doesn't work out? Now, again, not the same people making the decisions, but, I mean, the natural comparison for him is Cam Newton. Now, Cam Newton going into the draft was way ahead of where Aaron Anthony Richardson was going into the draft. That doesn't mean Richardson can't be better on the back end because athletically he's scary. But, uh, man, that's a lot. Oh, man, do you, I, don't, I don't know. I wouldn't want to give up all that for a, for, for a um for a project, but we'll see how that works. I, I think Stroud's the safest pick, but we'll see. You know, it's funny how that stuff works because for years and years, Ohio State never produced a good quarterback. And I guess you could argue they never have. Like, um, Josh, I mean, Fields has done a little bit, but it's not. I said Josh. He's done a little bit, but it's not like he's done a ton. And... Uh, what's his name that went to, you know, trage- tragedy. So I guess you could argue that they still have never produced a great quarterback, Ohio State. Yeah, they've traditionally had great college quarterbacks. You think back to, like, Troy Smith and, and those guys, but none of them have had sustained NFL no, careers. No, none. The, the weird thing for me with Carolina and what they did, and again, I would assume that this is just reports, but you see this report that they might be willing to trade back now that they're up at the top. I just you don't give up DJ Moore and all those assets if you don't have a guy that you that you really want. Like that, I, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So I I would imagine they have their guy. Yeah, I think Stroud, Stroud. Yeah, he's Stroud's the pick where if it doesn't work out, you can still have like you'll ha- you'll get the least blowback on that because it'll be like the safest pick as you mentioned. But yeah, again, I don't know if these GMs are and coaches are worried about making the safest pick now. Sometimes we see GMs and coaches make decisions that lengthen their own tenure, but not necessarily the best move for the team. I don't know if that's the case right here. I think Carolina's got their eyes on somebody. I just, yeah, we'll see who it ends up being. Now, if I'm a Bear fan and I'm sold on Justin Fields, which, I mean, I, I still think the jury's out on him as a passer. Uh, I could, But I could understand how that they're sold on his leadership and his presence and his athletic ability and all that. Um I mean, uh, you know, it's a great trade for them. If I was them, I'd think about trading down again if someone wants to trade up into that ninth pick and get Levis or whoever's Lauer Richardson. Somebody might fall in love with one of those two. Now, that might be more of a draft day trade, but um, I, I wouldn't, if I was them, I wouldn't mind going down again. Yeah, you already addressed 
one of the bigger needs at receiver with DJ Moore. Now you have a legit guy to go with Darnell Mooney and and Claypool and Komet and I mean, and you, you still have the draft pick and then in the nine spot. Like you've already addressed a lot of your issues with that trade, and you still have a a very valuable pick. So I think yeah, when it kind of shook down that they had the number one pick, they were in the best spot, especially not needing a quarterback. Yeah. And I think they're gonna. They might. Yeah. They're. I don't know if they're done dealing, and they've already got a ton of assets out of it. We'll see how it works. I still say it's more than just. It's got to be more than just bad scouting. To the fact that they ain't had a real good throwing quarterback in like sixty years. So we'll see how that plays out. Take a timeout and be back. This is footnotes on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Z28. Z28. Now, a running back with great speed and start and go ability, like a Chevy Camaro that plays for the New Orleans Saints, also known as Alvin Kamara. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foot and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline 706 I know a lot of, there's a lot going on. NCAA tournament, college baseball, all kind of snooze in the NFL. But man, what a miserable performance last night by the USA team. And you know, you got, look, I get it. The, the, and you sit there listening, and they're going on and on and on about the great Mike Trout. And look, I don't hate Mike Trout like my daughter just hates him because I think Mike Trout seems like a good guy. He's never done anything that makes me think he's not a good guy. But they, oh, it's just, oh, it's so great, they said, because now everyone plays everyone in the major leagues and everyone gets to see the great Mike Trout play now. Well, how about Mike Trout get a base hit? How about he just get a base hit? Mike, the great Mike Trout. Look, I've been watching the great Mike Trout play his whole career. It's not that hard to get him out. It's really not. You throw the ball up and in, it's not that hard to get him out. The great Mike Trout. I don't want to hear about how great Mike Trout is. I also don't want to hear about how great Jeff McNeil is. This cat looks like some sort of homeless person in the in the on deck in the batter's box. He never gets a hit and he can't field. Like they they pop the ball up, he can't catch it. What a miserable performance last night. Mexico crushed them. Crushed them. Some cat hit like 60 home runs and drove in 120 runs just first base. I never even heard of this guy. I don't know if he's in somebody's farm system or what. Could not get him out. And run scores matters in this thing. They're not The USA team might not get out of pool play. But all I got to hear about is how great. Oh, man, everyone deserves the right to watch Mike Trout play. What? Like, enough of that. I've saw that guy play his whole career. He's not. He's overrated. Now, 
I understand he puts up great numbers and he must just crush everybody else. And I'm not, I'm really not, I don't really hate Mike Trout, even though he's been in my division. Why would I hate him? I beat his team all the time. The guy never, the guy's won as many playoff games as I have. But enough of that whole Mike Trout, everybody. I don't need to see. I, I mean, does everyone out there really like that? They're like, oh man, my my base, my life as a baseball fan is incomplete because I didn't get to see Mike Trout play in person. I, I just enough of that. Hello, you're on the game hotline, Kevin. Yes, sir. You should have strung, you should have strung up your uh, hammock uh, uh, before. <laughs> you should have strung up your hammock before the World Classic. Well, yeah, but that ain't got the hammock ain't got nothing to do with the World Baseball Classic. Apparently, apparently not. Well, the U.S. are the reigning champs, so it's kind of a hammock World Baseball Classic by your logic. I mean, yeah. it's just I mean, uh, look, uh, what a Jeff McNeil. It's for Kevin. That's you. It's the World Baseball Classic. It's like the Olympics, man. Jeff McNeil better not play the rest. He better not play against Canada today. (laughs) Kevin, that's incredible, man. And Paul Goldschmidt. Oh, we got to play Paul Goldschmidt at first base because he's got a great glove. Well, he can't catch a ball that's thrown right at him. It bounced. Well, balls bounce to first baseman all the time. Catch the ball. (laughs) Kevin. Go, listen, when you get home, go outside and put your hammock up and, and lie down. And I know you don't have any time this time of year, but try to take you five Aww. minutes to lie down and think about the World Series and realize it's a hammock season <laughs> later. And that big pig, the polar bear, cockiest guy I've ever seen. And, and the, the, well, I'll tell you what, I've never really liked the Mets. Now I really hate them. Like the Mets on the, on the USA team, they are stinking it up big time. <sighs> Jeff we, McNeil. Can we start one game not at 10 o'clock so I can watch it? Oh, I, look. I only watched three innings I gave last out night. last night in the sixth inning that I was 7-1. to one. I'm like, if they don't – I'm like, if they don't – look, I turned it off and I said, well, maybe Mike Trout might get on base. Once, you know, the great Mike Trout that I my, my whole world would be incomplete if I don't get to see. I've been seeing Mike Trout forever. I don't need to see that guy. Mike Trout. All you got to do is throw a fastball up and in on him. He can't hit it. So finally, so I, I, after the fifth day, I said, well, I'm going to give him one more chance. So I turned off the TV, and then I, I was like, oh, maybe if they make a comeback, I'm going to be sick if I miss it. So I turned it back on, one, two, three inning. Awful. That big pig, the polar bear, striking out on balls out the zone. No more Mets. That's it. No more. DeRosa's got He's the manager. He's got brave blood in him. He shouldn't be playing Mets anyway. No more Mets. Done with the Mets. Get rid of them cats. And Brady Singer. That guy, that cat, he you talk about spring training form. That cat ain't even close to ready right now. He had nothing on any of his pitches. Nothing. Brady Singer. No more Mets. 
Well, who's playing second base if it's not Jeff McNeil? I don't care. Put Tim Anderson at second base. And who's playing short? Well, they got they got to have another short. Somebody else played short the night before. Who played short the game before? I forget. Well, they've got Bobby Witt Jr. Is the, uh, oh, well, Bobby Witt Jr. could play second base. Trey Turner. Wait, Trey Turner didn't Trey play last Turner night, Trey Turner didn't huh? play last night. Yeah, yeah. Trey Turner's done a little bit in his career. Put him at short. I, I Or is put him hurt? at second. <coughs> I want no more, no more Jeff McNeil. I don't want to ever see that guy again. Yeah. Jeff McNeil. That's one hour down, another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foot. Welcome back to Footnotes. Once again, we are broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. The game hotline, 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. On this, <clears throat> on this Monday, again, lots going on. Got the NCAA tournament. Cage is playing against the Vols. We found out the whole bracket yesterday. Any thoughts you have on that, certainly feel free. We've got lots of NFL news, including the Saints signing uh, our – well, we knew it already, but officially introducing a new quarterback in Derek Carr with a press conference on Saturday. <clears throat> the Pels had a nice win last night. Well, I mean, it's not like they beat a great team, but they look, when you've been struggling like the Pels had, you just need a win, and they beat them at home, and Brandon Ingram didn't play, and they won, so that's good. Yeah, <coughs> I uh, I made the trip to New Orleans to cover the Saturday game for the station, and that was not the game to go to as they got destroyed by a very mediocre Thunder team. But, yeah, they, they bounced back, and they uh, they did what they had to do last night, but... um. You're going to have to beat some better teams coming up here. And it sounds like Ingram's maybe closer than I thought. We'll, we'll see if we get an update here this week. But you're going to obviously need him back in a hurry. So, Absolutely. Uh, so what did Murphy do Saturday? Um, he was kind of quiet. He didn't have a big day Saturday. He actually, you know, it's <laughs> interesting. We, he talked in the postgame press conference. And, I mean, obviously, you know, he was pretty down as as the whole team was. But – um, he was kind of asked what he was going to do back-to-back, and he said, no, oh, he had some family in town. He thinks he's probably just going to decompress, you know, maybe not try and kind of get away from basketball for a little bit. Apparently that worked because then he came out and dropped 41 points <coughs> the next time. Yeah, so. decompress some more, Cat. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. What's your problem this morning? <clears throat> oh, the Mets. That's what you worried about? Oh, the um, Mets? Well... I'm worried about the fact that they stinking it up. Kevin, <clears throat> excuse me. You got big, bigger fish to fry. Right now, UL's about to play Tennessee. Nobody cares about the Mets right now. <clears throat> Nobody cares about them. Jeff I told McNeil. you last night, UL's about to play Tennessee. So right now, this is this should be strictly UL week for the tournament, baby. Nobody cares about the Mets. No disrespect to you Mets fans or you baseball fans. No one cares. Oh, no, they need to be disrespected because their players are stinking it up. Yeah, okay, well. Uh, a lot of other teams and people stinking up, but you know, hey, you can't get to everybody in one day. But okay, 
want to see how you feel. Okay, about so the Mets. tell me, but, tell me why you think the Cajuns can win, Kevin. I didn't tell you they was gonna win. I told you they have a chance, Kevin. No, and I said Tennessee can is, win. Is what I, it's, it's about one of their guards too. Tennessee play a, a sloppy game, man. Tennessee can be beat, man. I mean, they play a sloppy brand of basketball, just like Alabama. A lot of people talking about Alabama, how great they are, but those cats take a lot of terrible shots, a lot of bad, <laughs> terrible shots, sloppy type of game. I'm telling you, the SEC. I mean. It's really no dominant team or whatever, you know, as far as I see and stuff. Alabama is good and everything, and so is Tennessee. So is Kentucky. They're all pretty good. But them teams can be beat, Kevin, just like any other team. And I'm telling you, Tennessee can be had. They can be one of them teams that's far early. And, and look, early in the season, they were rolling. I mean, they were playing some great basketball. I believe they got up to number one in the polls, right, I think, this season at one point? Uh, that sounds right, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Maybe so. Two. so you I, mean, know, I mean, they were they were high. We yeah, some, they got off to a great start. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They were rolling early. I mean, they played some great ball, but once they come back down to earth, you start seeing their true colors. Like I said, they played some sloppy ball, man. I watched them a few times. I watched them against Florida. Yeah, I mean, Florida is terrible. And they didn't look great against them. They don't look great against nobody to me. Like I said, they can be beat. If, they, if Brown handles up, and I say if they hit about eight threes, eight threes, that's a possibility. If they hit eight to ten threes, they can beat that team, man. I'm telling you. They can beat that team because they got problems guarding the three also. That's another issue with them. So they can hit the threes on them and stuff and maybe get a couple of offensive rebounds and, you know, get some extra possessions. Man, they can beat Tennessee, man. I just want them to beat them. I just want them to beat them anyway, no matter how you do it or whatever. I just want, I don't care if they cheat for them. Beat them. I just want to beat them because you know what matchup I'm looking forward to. Okay. So why? Why do you? I, I mean, I know you hate here. Duke. I know you hate what? Duke, but why you? Why you want the Cajuns to play Duke so bad? Wait, wait. Say it again. You hate Duke. What you said? I hate who? No, the man. That's true. The man loves Duke. I forget. I knew. I knew you were on one side or the other. You love Duke. So why do you want the Cajuns to play Duke? Why? Yeah. What you mean? Why? Because. Because never played them before. That's why. Well, yeah, but so what? What you mean, so what? So <clears throat> why do you so, want the Cajuns to play someone you like? Is what I'm asking. Because Kevin, the Cajuns are from here. Okay, I never seen the matchup before, so I want to see them hook up with my team. Is something wrong with that? No, I'm just trying to understand it. That's fine. It's a free I mean, country. It, it, it should be easy. It's an easy explanation. <clears throat> the Cajuns are from here. I grew up watching them too and stuff. They never played one of the big balls like that that I want to see and stuff, and I want them to see them play my team. So win, lose, or draw, I want to see them play the Blue Devils. That's why I've been okay. asking, please, Lord, let them land in the same bracket. <laughs> and yesterday I was hoping and praying, and I've seen it coming. And when they got to that last bracket, when they had announced those two teams, I said, yes, they're finally in the same bracket. So hopefully I can get that matchup. That's all I want. I just want to see them play. You know, those two Oh, I mean, I'll up, take it. That means know? the Cajuns get an NCAA tournament win and get a little revenge against Tennessee, so I'm all for it. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, I just wanted to, you know, see a, a matchup that I've never seen before. You know, I've seen Duke and Kentucky a lot and Duke and Gonzaga and all these other teams and stuff, but I've never seen Duke in a local team like right here. So that's what I want to see. You okay. know, simple as that. So beat Tennessee for me, please. I'm hoping we can beat the Robbers because right now we hot, we rolling. We can both accomplish that, Kevin. Now, what about we Oral Roberts, though? What about what? You're not worried about Oral Roberts? 
I mean, I worry about everything else. <laughs> I just told you, I said, if we can beat Earl Roberts and everybody got us crushing him and all this other stuff, I understand. I Jay Billis look at it and all this stuff. I understand, but not me. I don't look at it like that. I mean, every team can be beat like I told you. This is the big tournament, the best in the world, you know. So <laughs> you slip up one night, you go home. And like I told you before, this thing about the NBA was like this. You make it real. You make it really real. That's how you determine the champion, baby. You line up 16 teams in the NBA or whatever, or you can go for more, and you put them in a tournament. No seven-game series or whatever, and you let, the, let them go. Let them go into the <laughs> yeah, last Yeah, but a series is more, it might, a series it might be is more real than this. It might be the Pelicans and the Lakers. It might be, the, might be Boston and the Pelicans standing in the last two. So we would never know that because we got these all these seven-game series type of stuff. Everybody get a chance to beat you. In, in the NCAA tournament, baby, there's no chance. You got one. That's one. true. So <clears throat> that's, that's true. how it should be. That's how you should determine a champion. That's why you go always, Kevin Foot. you hear me? Be the best tournament in the world. Hang up and listen. All right, thanks. No, I think a series is more real than the NCAA tournament. Now, the NCAA tournament is more exciting because it's a one-game deal, but that doesn't make it more real. I, I, I think a series is more real than um, – than the NCAA tournament, but the excitement of do or die, gotta win this game or I go home. I mean, there's no question that's more exciting. I, I just don't, I don't, I don't think it's more real. I just think it is more exciting. So we'll see. I don't know why I got that. I, I knew he was passionate about the whole Duke North Carolina thing, but in my mind, I had him anti Duke. But it is true. He, he's he's pro Duke. That's true because Paul is pro. Carolina so I, I I was mistaken though I don't know would you like would you want the Cajuns to play Florida State or would you rather them just not play Florida well, they, State well they just did in football and it was a so <clears throat> the way that I've approached it I I'll always lean Cajuns in that matchup just because that's my undergrad and I spent more time there and everything and <clears throat> the other way I'll look at it and that's kind of how I did for that game I'll try and pick which out which team has more to gain in that scenario so the Cajuns weren't really going Florida State was kind of building some momentum and now still is heading into next season, whereas the Cajuns were kind of just, you know, they were going to get to a bowl game or they weren't. It wasn't like do or die. Right. So that's kind of how I approach that. But, no, yeah, I mean, I don't – and they played them in softball, and, I mean, again, I, I kind of rooted for the Cajuns because I felt like they had more to gain. Um, but I don't particularly – it is – I guess it's cool to see them play each other, and especially because I kind of know a lot of people that are involved in athletics in both places right now. But um, no, I don't root for that matchup necessarily. I would rather them both – Maybe if they met up in the championship game in some sport, maybe softball the only one that's ever realistic in, but that would be cool, I guess. Yeah, that's an interesting, interesting perspective, way way to look at it, I guess. So um no, look, it's it's very difficult to to anal- to really handicap matchups like this. Um, because, you know, they play very different schedules for the most part. But again, a lot, not a lot of, I mean, some of the upsets you get in the NCAA tournament are they make sense on paper. Every once in a while you'll get one. But most upsets, they don't make sense on paper. You know, it's not like if they played, to, to Ronnie's point, I mean, it's not like if they played each other 10 times and the team that pulled off the big upset, could, you know, that might be the only time they went out of 100 games. It's just the only one that counts kind of a thing. And so, um, 
Again, it doesn't have to make sense on paper. It just has to happen in reality in a, in a, in a, on a given night. Yeah, and I, I like a couple of things that's set up for this. I, I've always, and I might be reading too much into this, I'm not a fan of a team that hasn't <laughs> been to the tournament before playing like in the first couple of games of the tournament. I like that the Cajuns, now it is Thursday, but they're going to get to sit back and probably have some TVs on, you know, kind of be preparing for the game, watching the tournament, see the tournament get going, kind of allow yourself to kind of calm down, go, okay, we're here, this is the NCAA tournament, let's get focused now. I always feel like the first couple of games you see a lot of sloppy play because it's just, oh, here we are, it's 11 a.m. on Thursday and we're playing in the NCAA tournament. So I like the fact that they get to kind of relax throughout the day, maybe watch a couple of the other games and then kind of get locked in and ready to go. Like I don't like Duke plays right before the cages. I think so. I don't even know, you know, if they'll even be watching that game. Maybe they will. Well, I hope the Duke game, whatever it is, I just hope it's nice and succinct, no fouls late in the game because I need to get to sleep after the Cajuns game to come into the station for five. That's true. The next it's a day. Thursday, not a Friday, and it's eight forty p.m. tip, and that's again, that's eight forty if the Duke game's on time. That's true. Now, also. The last time the Cajuns won an NCAA tournament game, they were a 13 seed. And the five seed started with a D. It was DePaul. And they got beat by New Mexico State, and the New Mexico State cheated the Cajuns in the next round. But um, look, like I said, I'm all for playing. I'm all for playing Duke. That would mean the Cajuns would win. Uh, the first NCAA tournament game since 92. So we'll see how all of that plays out. All right, we'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes <coughs> on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's not uncommon here on Footnotes for Kevin Foote's voice and his blood pressure to rise rapidly during the show. The fat guys like you and me need to be watching my pub time just like the stars do. Sometimes it rises a little too high. That is stupid. Stupid. Not to worry. We have EMT standing by just in case Foot passes out. Back to more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot. On the game. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. If you would like to get in, let's go to the hotline. Hello. Morning, foot. Good morning, sir. How are you? Oh, man. Why, why are you getting so fired up for the World Baseball Classic? Oh, I love man. the World Baseball Classic. I, I know. I, I love it, too. But, man, it's not like worth having a heart attack. Come oh, on, man. Oh, Jeff McNeil. Yeah. You can't catch a pop-up. I, I mean, I mean, it, it's pretty much just a just a overrated spring, spring training league, you know? I mean, but I like watching it. Don't get me wrong. Now, you talk uh, – I heard, I heard, I love Rockefeller. I love, I love when it calls in and everything, but go all Roberts. Because I, I, I always did. I don't follow a lot of basketball, but I, I do like the North Carolina uh, Tar Heels, you know, and 
I'm pulling for Oral Roberts in that first round. Oh, I would <laughs> love. I mean, I would look. I would love for the Cajuns to play Duke. I would really love for the Cajuns to play Oral Roberts in the second round. I'm with you there. Right. right. Now, you know what would make this 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 Mike Trout more, talk more more annoying. You know what make it even more annoying? Like like up up to the point where you probably wouldn't want to watch baseball no more. What's that? If he if he would get traded to the New York Cheetahs, oh. Manning, and we have to hear Paul call in talking about how great Mike Trout is, all because he's on the Yankees. It's enough we gotta gotta hear about how great Aaron Judge is not. You know, is there, I mean, the one of them can't get their team into the playoffs, and the other one can't get their get, get their team into the World Series. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but anyway, it was a while since I called in, and I hadn't been able to chime on this, but. Uh, a few weeks ago, when well, I think it was last week when when the uh, Ravens put uh, Lamar Jackson uh, the franchise, the exclusive franchise tag on him, and 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 oh, Lord and behold, how many teams were calling? None, you know, like there were teams were were running away from from going from uh, from trying to trade for. You you you, you think he he still stays in in uh, in Baltimore? Oh, I think I think he stays in Baltimore this year. Yes, I, past this year, I don't know. You know, I mean, I like I said, a lot of people like to to hate on uh on on, on my guy uh Tua, you know, in Miami and that, but I think he throws a better ball than Lamar Jackson. That's just my opinion. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Lamar's a good runner. <laughs> well, I, mean, I, I think I think he plays in a much better offense, right? With and, much and more talent. The other I heard that that Alabama plays some some sloppy basketball. Well, Duke ain't far behind him. You know, they they they. They better just just be careful with all robbers. That's, and that's uh, and why why everybody giving a hard time about uh, Bryce Young's uh, size in the combine, man? Yeah, did they not learn their lesson about the biggest bust in in NFL history about Jamarcus Russell? What was he like? Seven foot ten, twenty pounds, and couldn't throw a football. Well, it, it's not. It's it's not so much that he's just short, but he's short and skinny. Well, I mean, I mean. The, it, I think he's gonna be the, the the best pick in the draft. That's just me. I, I, his escapability is in, in, incredible. I mean, if LSU uh, fans uh, don't agree to that, I mean, maybe they should go back to watch their highlights. I mean, the man is like Houdini when he when he's in that pocket, man. I mean, uh, but all right, no, the Panthers, I, he might be the good. Waste their number one pick on a on a Levis out of out of Kentucky because I don't think he's that good of a quarterback. But anyway. Keep that blood pressure down and take that medicine. All right. Good hearing from you, Martin. Thank you for the call. All right. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Kevin. Yes, sir. Was, was that Martin just now? Yes. Yeah. Now, I'm going to just tell Martin something right quick. I know he's a dude hater, too. So, I'm going to let him know. But he's not thick into this rivalry stuff, into the hatred between the Duke and Carolina thing. So he needs to pump his brakes because he not he don't really know what's really happening. So he need he have a lot of catching up to do. But I know he and Paul and all the other North Carolina lovers, including yourself, Kevin, because you already said you admitted to you you already admitted to liking him. So you too, all y'all North Carolina lovers that hate Duke, all y'all y'all thought it was gonna fall by the wayside since since Mike is going up. But guess what? We still gonna beat y'all brains in North Carolina like we did this year twice again. We gonna beat y'all brains in, and we gonna get Hubert Davis fired like we did when Shane Battigan was there. So guess what? Next year, same thing. Y'all Carolina lovers, get ready because we gonna beat y'all brains in. 
<laughs> now look, I you know I I haven't really cared that much about North Carolina losing a long time because again I've give I gave up basketball years ago as a as a diehard fan, but in the you know other than the Cajuns. North Carolina in the mid-70s, I started liking it. Because I remember, you know, when I was 8, 10, 12 years old, the only th- – this whole conference tournament concept didn't that, – that wasn't no, – the ACC started that. And I remember thinking, man, this is kind of cool. And I don't know, I just I just thought the, the – um, the four corners would feel four, and the way they ran that, I just thought it was awesome. So I, I kind of liked, I started liking North Carolina, and then Michael Corrin, and then Sam Perkins, and then Worthy, and then that Jordan guy came around. So all through the mid seventy, late seventies, into the eighties, and about the early nineties, I followed. Um, I'll follow North Carolina, but since then, I you know it's been thirty years. So it, I now you ask me who do I want to win when they play? Of course, I want Carolina to win, but I, I don't I don't live and die with them, so I don't hurt when they lose anymore. In other words, so I mean, it's um it's not a it's not a pain thing for me anymore. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Lord, Lord, Lord. What's going on, Foot? Uh, Ronnie's fired up today. Rockefeller is all fired up. I, I, I turn on, I turn the station for a second, and here I hear Salty Ronnie is going off. Foot, I got this. Don't worry about that. See, first of all, we swept Duke last year and sent Mike out the door with losses. They salty. They saw it, we just better than them. That's it. It's plain and simple. Think about, you know, we're the Tar Heels. They're who? Uh, exactly. Rough year for us this year, okay. <clears throat> He's been waiting for this UL. He, he was texting me all night. You should have saw him for UL and Duke. I've been waiting for this. I said, go UL. <laughs> and when UL beat him, I'm going to be there to pick him up and slam him. No, you got to pull for Oral Roberts. You know, you got you got. we need the Cajuns to play Oral Roberts. Why do you say that? Well, you pulling for Duke? Oral you, Roberts plays Duke? Foot, foot, foot. That, uh, that's like somebody saying anybody Joe Montana or something. Don't yeah. curse me. Don't well, curse I mean, me. that's what I'm saying. You got to pull for Oral Roberts. You got to think big. I would never pull for Duke. You know that, Foot. <laughs> How dare you? They're going to fall. And when they fall, we're going to be there to pick them up and slam them. Now, look. Look, if, if Oral Roberts beats Duke, I don't want you, I don't want you throwing in, in Rockefeller's face. You got to step back, just smile, and he'll know. He'll know. That's all you need to do. Just I, smile. No, I can't do that. I can't sit back. <laughs> you can't throw it in the man's face. That's not the way step to do it. like a cockroach. <clears throat> it's not the way to foot. do it. No, no, foot. This man has been texting, talking trash. <laughs> you don't understand. I got to get him. Didn't you realize last night his fakers lost to my Knicks? You <laughs> <laughs> don't want to bring that up. Yeah, the Knicks, the Knicks, the Knicks got out. They'd been on, they'd been on the Schneid lately, but they got off the Schneid. Yeah, yeah. we just slammed the Pelicans. We just slammed them fakers. <laughs> <laughs> 
He don't bring that up. <laughs> so I'm on him for it. All right, I understand. I understand. Y'all be nice to each other. No, he got to go down. <laughs> okay. okay. Have a good one. Go Knicks. <laughs> the Knicks did get a good win. The Lakers have been playing better than they lost to the Knicks by four. Man, I don't know. The Pels needed a 2-0 weekend, but it just, just, just didn't happen. So we'll see how that plays out. But, no, it's uh, not, you know, obviously, if you're a North Carolina fan, they probably, like the long-time, lifelong career North Carolina fans got to be sick today. Like the NCAA tournament's going on, and they ain't, they ain't even involved in it. Forget they got beat in the first round, maybe. They're not even involved in it, so. Pub on for them for sure. So, so, well, we have a couple more days on well, before I leave to go to Pensacola. But do you have an early big upset favorite? Have you have you come up with an early? What's your first? Like, man, I, I kind of like this upset. Well, it's not huge, but I mean, I, College of Charleston's playing San Diego State. It's a five twelve game, and and Charleston is just really good. They were the team. Of course, I've got a rant that I'm probably going to do on RP3 later in the week about how the committee has just been kind of phasing the mid-majors out in the past few years. The Mm -hmm. net rankings were a big part of that. Charleston in past years probably would have been a top 7 or 8 seed. They're a 12. Um, So they're 31-3, and and they've got some nice non-conference wins too. And and they're matched with Virginia, who is beatable. Yeah, and they're a team, I think, that could maybe look to make, yeah, you're right, maybe make a run not only to to the round of 32, but maybe the Sweet 16. So that's... That's first one. That one's kind of. I think a lot of people are going to pick that one, but that one's kind of jumps at you from the beginning. Um, and they're in Orlando as well. You know, you had talked about how the Cajuns' net with Furman's net was very similar, and it's almost like they chose to. I mean, I don't know that they chose it above them or not, but I, I was kind of thinking that well, might be where the Cajuns would fall. The so the actual the committee releases their one through sixty eight rankings now. That's kind of new in the past few years. And now I don't buy it because I think they do that to then justify like where they place teams. I still think they kind of do it regionally. But the Cajuns were number fifty four behind Furman at fifty three. So when I texted you the night after the whack result where Utah Valley and Sam Houston both lost and said I think the Cajuns are safe. Apparently, if you go by that, which again I don't know how one hundred percent that is, it took the Yale loss on Sunday morning or sat, yeah Sunday morning to actually move the Cajuns up to a thirteen seed. If you go by the the NCAA's official seating list, so that was interesting. So go print. Thanks, Princeton. And uh, you know, Princeton is more of considered more of a basketball school than Yale anyway. I mean, Princeton's had success in the NCAA tournament over the years here and there, so. Uh, so yeah, no Charleston makes sense for sure. Now, um, you know the other thing that's so difficult, and you know if you get if you look, it's so silly the way they do it now with all these pods, and it's just I'm just look for guys like you who are huge basketball. I just. I just I feel bad that y'all didn't grow up in the eighties. It was so much better. I mean, it was just tremendous. I mean, college basketball in the eighties, it just was incredible because one, you know, they had started to kind of figure out how to do it and and then you 
you didn't have all these players. Like you had player, you had great players like Akeem Olajuwon who played three and four years of college basketball, Patrick Ewing, and all these great players who played for three or four years of college basketball and developed rivals and everyone. I mean, you had transfers, but you didn't have the transfer portal, and you didn't have all these players coming out early. You had one, you know, in a blue moon, but, man, it was just it was just tremendous in the 80s, tremendous. All right, we'll take a um, timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline is 337-706-0111. You know, one of the things, and, you know, the word I would call it is brutal, but it's also fun if you're not, like, really into it. The NCAA does this stuff where, like, Texas two-seed, if they win in the seven beats the ten, which is not a lock, Penn State's played came from way behind and almost beat Purdue, and they played pretty well down the stretch, like against A and M. But if it's Texas A and M against Texas, I mean that is, you know, whew, adds a whole different flavor to that deal. And they're playing the game in Des Moines, but um, a lot of people like Iowa State. They're a six seed. I think Iowa State is one of the you know teams outside the top four that I would consider, or I'm you know if I would fill out a bracket, consider that. Um, I mean, don't you think Iowa State's a way better six seed than Kentucky? I I mean, if you go by the way the who's playing well right now, then then sure, I would I would agree with that. You know that I. I don't know if there's a 12 slash a 13. I don't feel great about Furman against Virginia. I think uh, I think Furman might be a little outmatched there with Virginia's defensive <laughs> ability. But outside of that, I've already told you I feel good about Charleston's chances. Oral Roberts is certainly going to give Duke a challenge. Now, Duke's playing really well right now, so maybe they don't have enough. The Cajuns against Tennessee, I think we know that we, you know, we're, we're hoping that that's going to be pretty competitive. What about Drake game. beating Miami? Yeah, and again, Miami's without Norchad O'Meara. We'll see if he plays or not. That's going to be up in the air. The the Arkansas State transfer that Cajun fans should be familiar with, he's been one of Miami's best players. We talk about a lot of Sunbelt transfers that haven't worked out once they've left. He's worked out pretty well over in Miami, and he's had a great year. But if they don't have him, and we saw Drake, again, a team the Cajuns played this year, they're really good, and they played in a – that conference was really competitive this year, and they won it. So Drake, and then again, Kent State against Indiana. Kent State's a 13 seed. That's crazy to me. Kent State and the MAC had a pretty good year this year. Toledo and Kent State both had like 28 wins, and they win that conference. That's not a team I'd want to play. So the, another 13 seed that we feel is pretty. And then VCU and St. Mary. St. Mary's is really good, but they they got stomped by Duke in the in the West Coast tournament, and they don't have a great history recently in the in the NCAA tournament. Um, and then the last one, Iona, with coached by Rick Pitino. Yes, I'm I mean, saying Iona. So I know the 12 and 13s is kind of the most popular 
you know, place to pick upsets every year. But again, this year, I don't see any of those teams like not having a chance. The way when you get down to the 14 seeds, I think you start to see some teams that might be overmatched. But the 12s and 13s are going to be dangerous. Yeah, that's why, you know, it was so important for the Cajuns to get to that 13, I think. Um, For instance, although, is there a huge difference between Kansas State and Tennessee? Right, well, I think the the logic behind all these Big 12 teams is like the Big 12 had an unbelievable year. There was no bad teams in that conference. You had a couple that got eaten up by the conference itself once it got into conference play, but I think they made, what, seven out of the ten teams are in the tournament, and most of them are seated pretty high. So the, uh, the logic behind some of those teams that you might see not have quite as good of records, but they played in just a gauntlet of the Big 12, and again, I think that's probably why Iowa State's a six seed, because the Big 12 was just so good this year. So I think that's why. But, yeah, no, I don't. I, you don't see a huge difference. But I do think, for the Cajun's sake, again, the funny thing about avoiding the three seeds is they avoided some of those Big 12 teams. Baylor was a three seed. Yeah. Um, Kansas State, as I you mentioned. I wouldn't have wanted to play Gonzaga. I wouldn't have either. Um, especially, I, I was kind of talking to you, and I already mentioned it on the first show, Gonzaga's had so much pressure in recent years. Now they're a three seed. They don't have to have the pressure of you supposed to be being a Final Four team and all that, they can kind of sit back and almost fly under the radar in this tournament. And they got Drew Timmy, who's been there forever. He's a veteran guy. And I feel like they're maybe – and look, they looked really good in the West Coast tournament. They finally got tested in the West Coast Conference throughout the year. Um, and they showed up in the tournament and kind of reminded you uh, of why they're consistently one of the best programs. And then, I mean, the last – you know, Xavier is the last three seed. Maybe I, I Again, that was the matchup. I thought maybe I'd rather play Xavier than Tennessee. Um but the Big East is always kind of unpredictable. Sometimes those teams play really, really well in the tournament. So, If you're going back to Rockefeller's comments about Alabama, if you're Alabama, isn't Virginia the kind of team that you don't want to play? Right. Yeah. No, you could definitely think about that. The funny thing is about it, Alabama being like the clear-cut number one overall seed now at the end of the year, but I do, I do like the points that have been brought up. If you don't buy the SEC – which I don't fully buy it this year. It wasn't as deep as it's been in years past. Maybe Alabama's not the best team in the country, right? Because, you know, as we mentioned, the Big 12 was really good. Now, Houston's another team. The American is not as good as some of these other conferences this year, especially this year. Um, So maybe they're not as strong. That kind of puts you back to Kansas being maybe the favorite in this whole thing because Kansas was the best team in the best conference. So if you put a lot of stock into that, then you could be looking at a team now. Repeating is tough. We haven't seen it in a while, so we'll see if if they can become the first team to do it in quite a while. It just seems like if I'm uh, the kind, you know, as explosive as Alabama likes to be, a Virginia team. Like I've said before, if you are a a more of a defensive oriented team, doesn't mean you're going to win, but you normally have a better chance of dictating pace than a fast pace high team. If, if you're really good at that, I, I would think Virginia. If if I'm Alabama, I don't think I want to play Virginia. I'd rather play a team that's going to try to outscore. Yeah, and the other teams that you kind of look in that bracket now that would Virginia that would be a Sweet 16 matchup, so not even down to the to the final. Yeah, and they may not even play Virginia. I'm just saying if I'm looking at a bracket and I'm Alabama, I'm saying, hmm, I don't know about this. I hope right. somebody beats Virginia. Right, and Virginia, it's always the one. Are they going to get upset early? Because it kind of feels to me like if if they're able to win their first and second game or or really just the first one, they feel like a team that could start to get rolling. Um, But we have also seen them lose as a one seed. So 
they've had a tendency to get upset early, but then when they've when they've made runs, they've made deep runs. So they're a yeah sitting at that four seed. The four seed's always interesting to look. The four and five seeds, you figure which of those four and five seeds has a good chance to beat a one in the Sweet Sixteen, and I think. Just like I like the 12s and 13s, they have to play the 4s and 5s, and a lot of those teams, like Duke, like Virginia, are playing really well right now. If Omir plays, I like Miami's chances. But if he doesn't, I don't know. Yeah, if he's not not 100%, I mean, that Drake team, we saw it firsthand. um, They're really talented. It's Again, it's interesting to me, a couple of years ago, or not more than a couple, but a few years ago, Drake's probably more of a 9 or 10 seed. The mid-majors have kind of been phased back to where they, they drift further back in the seeding, so now they're a 12. That Typically, those tw- again, we've, a 12 seeds, the 12 seeds have done really well against the fives in the past however many years, so that's always something to monitor. All right, we'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. <laughs> Kevin Foote is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. No, seriously. After that is 2013, which I call the forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind, the Saints streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88, they finished 10 and 6, tied for first place in the division, did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver who absolutely cheated, uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13 to 12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness, ineptness, or cheating or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile. We return to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote. And footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline 706-0111. 706-0111. All right. So we mentioned Derek Carr a few times, but we didn't really talk much about the Saints. So, as the dominoes are falling, well, I guess the next big domino is to somehow figure out the Plastic Man Michael Thomas situation. Like, is he? they keep hinting that he's coming back. You know, everything points towards, but can they financially make it work? You know, so that's the next domino. Juwan Johnson signed, that's a domino. So that's done. I think the next big one after Michael Thomas is, is, is what? K. Nellis probably, right? I mean, I they need a – I mean, K. Nellis, seventh-round pick, and he's really played well last year. Yeah, the, the Michael Thomas, again, we, we just can't talk in certainties when it comes to him, but it really feels like he's coming back from everything you're hearing. And they just made another – you know, restructured this morning, I heard. Cam Jordan's getting restructured. Looks like they've got some more cash available, um, which, again, we're not surprised. They're going to keep doing that. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some articles written later today about how the Saints are just, you know, cheating the cap and people aren't just paying – they just aren't paying attention. But anyway, yeah, Ellis, Ellis is, is a core uh, – I think he's a huge depth piece. And, again, DeMario Davis, the fall-off's going to happen at some point. He's still playing at a high level, and I hope he continues to do so, but he is getting – especially for linebackers, you know, the the age of 
decline is coming. So you need guys back there that if DeMario Davis either gets injured or just doesn't play as well, you need guys like Caden Ellis. Pete Werner, hopefully, he's going to continue his progression. But but Werner was injured last year. Like right. He was very encouraging, and he played great at times, but he also didn't play all the games. Yeah, so again, I wouldn't be shocked if they take a linebacker at some point in the draft. Probably not early, but yeah, Ellis, that would be a nice one. And Ellis. You feel like he's probably not going to be too expensive, I wouldn't imagine. I mean, somebody, the problem is someone might just, oh, man, he had a great year. Let's just throw a ton of money at him. So let's hope yeah. that doesn't happen. But look, if they could re-sign, that's the next big domino. If, if they can re-sign him, then you really start liking the depth. The You know, obviously you've got to get a defensive tackle. A lot of people are starting to write like they're going to re-sign Gus. And I guess you need defensive tackle depth, but but he's been a major disappointment over the last two years. Gus is on Yamada, by the way. Um, I don't know. I guess I'd be okay with him. By the way, and look, Davenport's a, ended up being a four. I stayed in his corner and you know, supported there, trying to get him to be good. And, and uh, he, you know, he falls under the full-blown bust stat label, okay? Um, and so a lot of Saints fans are not going to like him. They're really not going to like him if some of the rumors coming out are true that he's going to go to the Falcons. Yeah, I'd say. They're really not going to like Davenport then. He's certainly a bust for his Saints tenure as their as their draft pick, but his career's not done yet. And, yeah, we've kind of said it feels like he's the next uh, guy to maybe leave and have success elsewhere. That's just the idea you get, especially with the way New Orleans tends to contribute. Well, to I hope he didn't somehow. go to the Falcons then. I mean, yeah. that'll make it worse if he's in your own division and he starts playing well. Pig. That would be sickening. So they got, you know, I think Caden Ellis is is the next one. And then, you know, who knows who else they'll, they'll sign. But, again, the beauty of the Saints situation is you have a quarterback, uh, so you don't have to worry about stretching for that. And their needs should be able to met without it costing. Like, it shouldn't be that difficult to pick up a veteran running back. It just shouldn't be that difficult. And I, I still think they need a little safety depth. So, again, I, I would not be upset if they pick a safety in the second round or the third round. I I, I still think, especially if Kaynella signs and they can get a little more depth at safety, man, I'm going to be pumped. Well, they I mean, brought in Amadi from the Chiefs at safety. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I just don't More know of a special teams guy, yeah, most likely. I, I don't I don't. I don't know how much of an option he is there. I just I I think I think another safety uh, would, would would do my heart good because you love their depth at cornerback. Um, you know they got to get a settled a defensive tackle situation, but hopefully they can do that in free agency or in the first or second round. And then I, if they could just figure out a little more depth at safety, man, it it it'll it'll be looking really good, especially. If those other dominoes that we're talking about both fall, it, it'll be some fat cat like me is going to have trouble sleeping at night. It's going to be really good. So we'll see how it'll be really promising anyway. Of course, you got to make kicks. You got to not fumble. And, you know, you got to somehow stay reasonably healthy for the first time in forever. I mean, all those things have to happen. But I'm talking about on paper. Right now, we're worried about it looking we're worried about taking care of things on paper. We'll worry about reality when, you know, September gets here. 
But for now, I just want things to to look good on paper. And um, look, I think Derek Carr fits in perfectly with this team. I've said that from the very you know beginning of this process. I I, I never thought Derek Carr would fit in New York, and I and I think Derek Carr knows he wouldn't have fit in New York. I just I never did get the Derek Carr in New York thing. I I understand why the Jets might. Be, but I, I don't. I don't think Derek Carr is about New York. I, I don't. I don't. I never. I never thought that was a would be a good fit. I think this is a perfect fit. They they've got a you know. Hopefully he stays healthy. He's been very healthy in his career. Uh, very healthy. There's so many similarities between he and Breeze. Now I'm not saying he's going to be put up the numbers that Breeze did. I'm not saying that at all because he's not going to. That's not going to happen. I don't even want him to. I really. I, I don't even want him to put up those numbers. But uh, there's just a lot of similarities between he and Breeze in a lot of different ways. And so uh, hopefully they can get it done. You know, in in so many of Drew's prime years, he had no defense and he had no special teams. So, you know, on paper, they have a chance to be really good defensively and they've got to get back to playing special teams so he doesn't have to put up all the numbers Drew did in his prime years in New Orleans. So don't. You know, he shouldn't have to do that. Hopefully he won't. So a lot of exciting things happening there as well. All right. Busy, busy Monday. Y'all have a nice day.